Hey, it's Scott Orn at Cruise Consulting. Before we get to just an awesome podcast with Jen Saxton of Tot Squad, I want to give a quick shout out to cruisetax.com. It's TurboTax for startups. We are really starting to do a lot of tax returns through that now. It's getting pretty exciting. We're also doing R&D tax credits. So if your startup needs a tax return or an R&D tax credit, just give us a shout at cruisetax.com. We'll take care of it. It's a very automated process, which is pretty exciting. Also, Cruise 490 evaluations. We do 490 evaluations for stock options. That's what your startup needs to issue stock options at the correct price. We do them very cheaply at $1,500 for seed, $2,000 for Series A, $2,500 for Series B, and we also do them very fast, 10 business days. So if you need a 409 evaluation, check out Cruise Consulting's 409A evaluations on our homepage. Hope that helps. And now let's listen to Jen Saxton of Tosquad. Welcome to Founders and Friends Podcast with Scott Orn at Cruise Consulting. My very special guest today is Jen Sexton of Tot Squad. Welcome, Jen. Hey, Scott. Good to be here. I'm doing great. How are you doing? It's Friday afternoon. I'm drinking LaCroix. You are, what are you drinking? I'm pregnant, so I'm not having wine, but I really wish I was. <laughs> you can have one glass, right? Like, Vanessa used to have one I'm, glass I'm, on Fridays. So that was her thing. Yeah, I'm embracing the French way of pregnancy. Like, you know, there's, yes. there's, there's definitely some wine involved, but not, not quite yet at the office. <laughs> not at work. Jen and I have known each other for a long time. You have a awesome startup called Tot Squad. And maybe you can just kind of start the podcast off by telling everyone how you had the idea for the company. Yeah, sure. Uh, so Tot Squad is a baby gear services company and we do stroller and car seat cleaning, repairs, and safety, kind of with a vision to be like the geek squad of the baby industry. And I am pregnant right now with my first baby. So um, actually, I've been joking that Tot Squad is my first baby. So this will just be my first human baby. It kind of is, yeah, totally. (laughs) But I wrote the business plan while I was getting my MBA at Kellogg, which I think, Scott, is how we met. Somebody through the Kellogg Mm -hmm. Network introduced us. Really, uh, I'm the oldest millennial. I was born in 82 and really was working in management consulting and seeing all of these women turning 30, trying to make partner at the firm and start a family at the same time. And everybody was leaving. At one point we had no female partners left in the entire company. Uh, So I just started thinking like, wow, maybe this isn't the right career path if I want to both be successful at work and at home and was paying attention to work-life balance as a trend. And while I was at Kellogg, you know, they tell you to kind of skate to where the puck is going and identify macro trends. And so I said, you know, I think as millennials start to have kids, I I was 25 at the time. So I'm like, as millennials start to have kids, I think there's going to be a lot of opportunities for um, businesses to help improve work-life balance and solve problems for moms. So I I spent my first year in business school putting together a spreadsheet with 50 different business ideas, which recently I resurfaced and had a a really good laugh um, looking back through some of those. Because some of those businesses have actually turned into real things like hop, skip, Yeah, I was going to say. Yeah, there's 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 probably some some good good ones ones in there. Yeah, I remember one of the bad ones, um, this is pre-iPad. So I I started Kellogg in 2008. And one of the ideas was like a DVD player, a portable DVD player that you could clip to your stroller or like a restaurant table to use for your kid. So thank goodness I didn't go that route. I would have been out of business in a year. But, uh, but yeah, so, th- so that was kind of the impetus for Tot Squad. And along the way, I became really passionate about car seat safety. So it turns out that as many as 90% of baby car seats are incorrectly used. Uh, a leading cause of death for kids is car accidents, and a new study says almost 50% of kids who die in accidents 
were not properly restrained in the car. Oh my God, that's yeah, crazy. Yeah, it's terrifying. So that has been really a, a big unifying mission at our company and all the people who work here um, all over the country are really passionate about saving kids' lives and, and working with families and, and babies. And, and that's really fun. First of all, we hired a, like, Tot Squad. I don't think you guys are in the Bay Area, right? Not yet. In LA, New York. Soon. Yeah. Um, you can talk about that. But yeah, yeah. so we hired a, a car seat consultant to, like, show us how to do it because we didn't want to be one of the statistics. And I think you guys provide that service, too, in LA and New York and all the other markets you're in. Uh, but also, I love that, I love how you thought about it as a how to enable working moms or improve their work-life balance. Because I'm finding we're using rinse for laundry. Mm -hmm. um, we use Good Eggs and Amazon Fresh for delivery. And there's like three or four other things that we use all the time that are like, and they're, they're total Outsourcing. like uh, San Francisco metropolitan services, but it really does take the edge off of things. Well, yeah, I think, you know, uh, a lot of our business model has been built on partnerships with retailers. And as, mm. you know, online retail has really grown, brick and mortar has suffered. And I think that's particularly true for retailers targeting new parents. Because anytime you have to do an extra errand with a screaming infant yeah. or toddler, you don't want to do it. You'd rather order online. Yeah. And so what Tot Squad does is we help the retailer offer kind of a unique amenity that not only drives the foot traffic into the store, but then is creates a captive audience because while we have your car seat, you can't drive away. <laughs> so you will shop that. That's a great idea. you're trapped in the store. Uh, and we've done a ton of data collection and exit surveys and have shown that value proposition to the retailers that our customers actually spend more inside the store than they do on our services. Um, and that has given us a lot of leverage in negotiations as well, which has been great. And, and the parents love it because they can multitask. Yeah, it's like killing two birds with one stone. Like mm -hmm. I know I can get, well, you should explain what you guys do exactly because yeah. I don't want to steal yeah, so, to Totally, totally. So the original um, version of the business was a totally pop-up business model where we partner with different stores like Babies R Us or Whole Foods um, or a local boutique or a play space or a daycare and do a 30 to 60 minute cleaning on your baby gear while you're inside. And that business model has is still active here in Los Angeles where we're headquartered um, and in DC where we have our first franchise location. Um, but we eventually kind of evolved that business model into this more geek squad style model. Um, and our first in-store service center actually just opened inside the Bye Bye Baby in New York City uh, oh. in March. Yeah, so it's so exciting. It took me three and a half years to negotiate that deal and go through pilots. And what's crazy about it is I would always say to them, you know, look, if you guys don't want service centers, like I'll go talk to Babies R Us. Like you're our first choice, but I got Babies R Us in my pocket. And I signed yeah. that deal one day before Babies R Us announced it was closing every single store in the country. Oh my God, so, thank God. Just thank sheer God. dumb startup luck, the way that shook out. But, you know, we went through lots of different rounds of pilots. And, you know, when you're negotiating with a big public company, it can be really slow. So it, it's been a true test of resilience uh, and everything. So so now... So you we, have a location yeah. in the store Inside that people can just store. walk up to. Exactly. That's awesome. And so really starting cool. next month, You'll actually be able to um, add Tot Squad services to your baby registry, uh, which is a huge driver for business in the baby world. And um, what we have is like a membership package 
where as a new parent, you can add a Tot Squad membership to your registry and then maybe grandma will buy it as an add-on with your stroller or your car seat, where we will assemble everything, install it, clean it a couple times a year, repair it and tune it up oh, and just kind of provide all of the services you need. I mean, because when you're spending upwards of $500, $1,000 on a stroller or a car seat, um, you know, that's like more than my first car costs. You want to, you want to, you know, maintain your investment. And when your kid throws up in the car, sometimes you're just desperate. So, and you have, so you have, you're, have a baby on the way. We just had a, we have a five month old almost, and we have two different strollers and two different car seats. And it's amazing. It is. And there's like, these things are pretty expensive. Like we call the jogging one, we call it Knight Rider because it look, it's black and super like aerodynamic and Vesta takes out. But yeah, like that thing gets really dirty. It's pretty crazy. I know my friends are always asking me like, what's the best car seat or stroller that I should get? And I always say like, look, there's a lot of great stuff out there depending on your budget just get it in black. Like I own a cleaning yeah. business. Just trust me on this. Whatever brand you choose, get it in black. Um, so that, that will be a little <laughs> easier for you to maintain over the long run. Um, and so, so Tot Squad will, you will tune up the stroller too. That's pretty amazing. I didn't yeah, know that. Yeah. We actually have contracts in place with most of the big stroller manufacturers. So if you, you know, call 1-800-BUGABOO and say, Hey, my wheel fell off. Can somebody help me? They're going to refer you to Tot Squad. Oh my gosh. Um, we have great. a bugaboo zero customer yeah, yeah, yeah. Zero customer acquisitions uh, costs on those, which is great. That's amazing. So this was, and, and you've just been pushing into the retail, like to get actually in the store. So as you said, it took you three and a half years to do that. So nuts. Yeah. So it's, it's been a combination of, of, you know, strategic fundraising, um, and experimentation. Like I, I knew early on that I was onto something, right? This idea that car seats are dirty and hard to clean and hard to install. Every mom I talked to wanted it. Um, and there was nobody else out there doing anything about it. And it's taken a couple of, of pivots and everything to figure out how to monetize this and, and build a scalable business. So for a while, we were really focused on franchising the pop-up version of the business model. And what we realized is that most people who are buying a franchise are looking for like a very proven business with proven financials. Um, and until we got some more of these big partnerships, like the, the in-store service deal with Bye Bye Baby, it's harder to sell those. So yeah. um, myself being kind of the consummate salesperson who thinks like every opportunity is the best opportunity ever. And I just get <laughs> so excited about everything. Um, I brought in uh, a rock star chief operating officer about two years ago. And she's like, okay, John, that was like 20 great ideas. Let's pick three and do them well. Yeah. And uh, in that process, we really had to prioritize kind of closing some of these big national partnerships and relationships so that we could kind of pause franchising and then come back to it later, knowing that once we had more like stronger financials, we'd be having an easier time to sell the franchises at that point. And, and so what's crazy is that what I was saying before is like, we're kind of moving on to versions three and four of the business model now, while the, the service center is, is finally live and going and we will uh, be opening more of those um, and, and hopefully one in San Francisco next year. Yes. Uh, finally, we are, also working on a really big launch in September with Amazon and Walmart.com so that- Oh when, my gosh, I are know. you kidding Yeah, yeah. So uh, what's great is that Amazon launched Amazon Home Services a couple of years ago. And this is where you can like buy a TV and they'll send a TV installer. You buy a shower head and they send a plumber. Yep. 
And uh, now whenever you buy a car seat, you're going to be able to add the installation. It's going to come bundled. Oh. And we will match you with a technician anywhere in the country um, to come out and install your car seat. So the person you h- hired there in San Francisco hopefully will be one of the Tot Squad branded technicians who we can kind of serve work out to on a local basis there in San Francisco. And, and eventually would like to also be offering that service in a digital way. So if we don't have someone near you in rural North Dakota or whatever, we can always um, give you assistance via FaceTime or Skype. Um, That's really smart. Yeah, I so, it. so it's going to yeah, be Yeah, I use really doctors on the man, so that makes sense. Like, mm-hmm. you know, if I can get diagnosed over my phone, I should be able to help build a car seat that, exactly. or build a stroller that way. Exactly. Good for you. So you yeah. got like, these are huge, huge partnerships. That's yeah. amazing. Yeah. So that one, that one's like moving forward. Like we're in final stages of, of kind of vendor setup and contract negotiation and everything. And then kind of version four of the business model, which is going to happen kind of concurrently with the rest of them is really uh, targeting the transportation industry. So I don't know, Scott, have you had to try to rent a baby seat uh, from an airport or a rental car company yet? I tried, but they didn't. They only had one size, and it was for like a two-year-old instead of a three-year-old. It's the wrong size. So we were, yeah, we were screwed. We were yeah. totally screwed. So what you see is you see parents like schlepping their thirty-pound car seats through airports because they don't trust the rental car companies to have clean seats, to have the right size seats, um, etc. And so we're working on some really big opportunities. Uh, with the rental car companies that will allow us to provide a better consumer experience and hopefully solve that pain point. And then also uh, have an existing relationship already now with Uber. So uh, in New York City, yeah, you can can get an Uber X, Uber Black, or you can get Uber Car Seat. And we clean all of the car seats for Uber and we're working on some opportunities hopefully to kind of become a fully outsourced car seat program manager for them where we would help train drivers, clean seats, track them, manage them, dispose of them, and, and really run that program, which we hope that they'll start uh, scaling nationwide soon. I, I think it, everything at Uber has been a little bit up in the air since the, the management team changed, but uh, excited yeah. for the growth potential on that one when it comes back online. But it also feels like that's very, it's aligned with their new brand and who they're trying to be now and things like that, be very friendly to the community. And so it makes, it makes total sense. Good yeah. Yeah. And Lyft, Lyft is, is doing some stuff in that space as well. So I had a call with them a couple weeks ago. So, you know, I think the, the transportation industry, uh, is, is like a totally new vertical. It's like a completely B2B offering, um, versus, um, you know, our pop-up events, which are very B2C. And then these like online retail things, which I call them B2B2C, um, where we're much more like a, a middle woman, middle man between uh, the consumers that the retailers have acquired and then the local technicians that we've recruited. So, so yeah, so the business, business is, is, is going really well. Lots yeah. of exciting opportunities. You're, you're doing great. And you have, you've, you were, we were talking before that we turned on the mics that you've gone through, this is like your second fundraise, right? So you're going through fundraising and you're, yeah, like what have you learned Oh my God. Especially like these are kind of your second time, you know? <laughs> yeah. So I raised, I raised, um, you know, about half a million coming out of Kellogg. Um, well, actually I was sponsored uh, for business school. So I had to go back to my job for two years. So I was literally like doing this on the side on the evenings and weekends and like driving a van and cleaning vomit car seats myself. <laughs> like I've literally done every job in the company. But uh, after I finally left my job, I uh, went on to raise about half a million dollars on a safe note. Um, which is, I, I think, still to this day, very controversial compared to convertible notes. 
Um, and I did that all through angels, large majority being former coworkers and acquaintances just through my business network. And then last year, uh, and I'm just kind of closing this round next week, actually, we've raised 1.8 million, um, bringing our total raised to, to around two and a half million, uh, wow. all from angel groups. Yeah. So that has been a, a totally crazy ride. Um, I think we have seven different angel groups from like Pasadena Angels, Tech Coast Angels, Golden Seeds, uh, which focuses on female founders and a bunch of others. I think, you know, it's been interesting to see the cap table kind of explode versus uh, other founders. You know, I think like, you know, a dude with a tech idea can go like snap his finger and somebody will give him two million dollars. Uh, and for me, it's taken like years and 80 different people uh, to total it all up. But, uh, you know, I, it's it's been a lot of work and a lot of effort, but you got to do what you got to do to get the job done. So, yeah. Also, I think, you know, there it's the road that hardens you and teaches you a lot. And I find <laughs> that easy come easy go a little bit like you find that founders have a really easy time raising money sometimes spend it too easily mm-hmm. and they don't hold on to it and don't appreciate it and that's probably not going to be an issue for you so yeah it's good it's no, I, yeah, my, my I all these things <laughs> I'm I'm, I'm, my what? team hates me i don't spend money if it does absolutely yeah. does not have to be spent yeah and like you know like the um it's just it's just all part of the journey you said it you've done every job in the company now you fundraise from every kind of investor it's just, it's just how it is. That's, this is what building a successful company is like. It totally is. Well, and I mean, I think I, I read an article last week that I thought was really interesting. So um, female founders are only getting about 2% of VC funds. And uh, there's a great Fortune article that came out saying that female founders actually do more with less. Um, I posted on my Facebook page if you want to see it. But it's interesting. Like per dollar raised, female founders uh, generate more revenue. So I think we, wow, we kind of, yeah, in general, have have a really uh, good ability to be savvy and scrappy um, and and make something out of nothing. <laughs> That's really well. We have a female founder too, as you know. You know, uh, Vanessa, know. or yeah. you've heard of her. So yeah. So yeah, I, I believe that. I subscribe to that theory. I yeah. work for a female founder. <laughs> um, so t- so talk about how you decided. I just f- found it interesting how you grew the company. Like you were in L- you you did like kind of proof of concept in L.A. Then you went to New York, and and now you're expanding nationally. Like how how did the thought process go into that? Yeah, I remember early on when we were really focused on franchising that everybody told me, no matter what you do, don't try to open New York as your next location when you're based in L.A. Because traveling back and forth from from L.A. to New York, like time zones, like the cost, the time, all that involved, like don't do it. And I ignored all that advice because I was like, I need to be where the most luxury strollers are sold. Like those are people who can afford my services. Um, And and I think traditionally, especially in in franchise and service businesses, the advice is grow in concentric circles. So if you're in L.A., next is like Phoenix and Vegas and San Francisco and you kind of keep growing from there. Um, and here we are, like L.A., New York, D.C., we're, like, uh, we're hitting the big markets, um, you know, and the next ones are obvious, the, the Miamis and Dallases and uh, Chicago's of the world. So I, I think that every business is different. And for me, we're really a first mover in our space. And it was important to lock up these big relationships with these big stroller companies, with these big retailers. And we needed to be where they were doing the best. And that's not Phoenix yeah. and Las Vegas. 
Okay. So, so I think that uh, maybe the moral of that story is that take all advice that you get with a grain of salt because it's not always applicable to your business. Like if I was opening another sandwich shop or dry cleaner, growing my brand locally in concentric circles might've made more sense. But I think that the way we did it actually worked for us. Yeah, that makes total sense. And I remember you had some like great stories of like, I was talking to you a lot when you opened New York and you're flying out there all the time. Oh my God, I lived out there for six weeks. (laughs) Yeah. The Texan in me hated it. I I can never live in New York again. They're too mean. (laughs) (laughs) Did you have like some observations about like, New York, it, like, it sounds like you had some of them right there where you're like, oh, I need to be in the places where they're spending the most money on strollers and things like that. Was there anything else that surprised you about some of the first markets you moved into? I mean, I don't, like, I, I think culturally the markets are so different. So we, even today, like we handle most of our customer service out of the Los Angeles headquarters, even for customers based in New York City. And, and it's funny, like New Yorkers are very direct. And even when they're not mad at you, sometimes they sound like they are. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I noticed that too. I learned that too. Yeah. So, uh, you know, it's just a, it's just a different culture. So we actually had like an office manager for a long time who was a New Yorker, and she could like have her New York accent and like go toe to toe with these New Yorkers. Whereas like me, I'm like cowering away, like oh, they're yeah. so mean to me. Um, but you know, we, and we we had I mean like the craziest story. I have I cannot stop laughing about this. Is this week like we had a customer who was like you know we're bending over backwards to help service these people's stroller. It's like all rusted out. They can't come during our normal business operation hours. Like we're going to see them after hours. They arrive late even to that. And then they like pick up their stroller and they're like, oh, you slashed our stroller tires. You were mad at us for being late and slashed our stroller tires. And I'm like, I'm sorry, what? (laughs) Is that a thing? Like, so we get the pictures of these stroller tires and they're like foam tires. Like they don't even have air in them. Like there's no reason to slash them because it doesn't do anything. Um, were they, were they, did they, did you resolve it or what happened? I mean, yeah, like we, we got them new wheels just to like kind of make the problem go away. But it's, you know, one of those times when it's like, you know, sometimes you just got to fire a customer. It's like, we won't be servicing them again in the future. But like the, the, the crazy things that come out sometimes in customer service are, are just wild. We have the same thing. I mean, we go really, we try really, really hard and, but there's just some people who, honestly just don't know what they're doing and mm-hmm. they're such a distraction and such an energy suck and it makes people hate working with yeah. them and so you just gotta kind of say goodbye sometimes Vanessa's actually really good at that and when we when we when we terminate a relationship we actually refer them to three or four of our competitors <laughs> just so they because we're like hey maybe it's just a personality thing yeah. and, and they actually like that that's like part of and sometimes it's an eye-opener for them too like Sometimes startup founders are kind of learning the ropes, and so they don't quite know how things should be. Yeah. And so it's a good I mean, I, I remember getting you. fired as a customer once from like a, a startup technology platform that we were trying to use for appointment booking. And basically, we, because our business model is so different from what anybody else is doing, we're not like a spa or a yoga studio where we have like yeah. one brick and mortar location. We're at a different baby store every day. And we need a booking system where people can book at all these different locations. And like, we're just kind of going back and forth these people trying to get them to customize the software for us and like help us build workarounds and hacks. And eventually they're just like, you know, this is what we got. (laughs) Maybe this isn't the best fit for you. And he kept saying that, maybe this isn't the best fit for you. And then I finally was like, this guy's firing me as a customer. Like I'm a thorn in his side. So 
Um, but you probably yeah. have to do that with people that you're serving, you know? Like, they want, I don't know, I can't, I, there's something crazy <laughs> or really in a stroller or whatever. Yeah, I told them. Well, I mean, sometimes it's like they want they want something that you can't deliver. It's like they come in with a stroller that's completely stained and soiled that's been sitting in their garage for 10 years, and, like, no act of God is going to make their stroller look brand new again. Uh, and it's just, like, it's just not worth our time because we know we can't get yeah. a good result for them. And that doesn't happen yeah. very often. Like, of course, those customers can be the most challenging um, when they're, they really, you know, it's, it's funny, you have people, we charge more for poop and vomit in a stroller than we do for Cheerios, um, logically. <laughs> so it's always the people that have like the most disgusting ones that are coming in being like, oh, I just need the basic, like the Cheerio level package. <laughs> we're like, no, no, nobody, you're not going to be happy. <laughs> we, can't, we can't fix your stroller in 20 minutes. That's uh, not happening. We have so. the same problems. We have the same, I wouldn't call, <laughs> we have poopy financials that come to us and we have to clean them up. And it's usually exactly. from a bad accountant. Yeah, that's I remember exact. this I'm investor once saying to me that, so uh, yeah, this investor once said to me, he's like, I've never seen the words poop and vomit written on a PowerPoint slide before. And I was like, welcome to my business. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, that's, that is welcome, that's what keeps the doors open. Welcome to Todd Squad. That's right. uh, so it sounds like things are going really well. So I, one of the things I wanted to talk about was your love, your passionate love for the university of Duke or Duke University, <laughs> some should say. And also Kellogg, but I feel like you're more of a dookie. Like what, what, what got into you? What happened when you were there for four years? Yeah, well, it's really funny. I mean, I think Duke is a, is a really great school in, from the perspective that the kind of personality of people who go there tend to be very much the work hard, play hard people. It, it's people who have a lot of fun and personality, but also are like very smart and driven. And so how can you not love that? And I worked really hard to get a scholarship to Duke. And, and Wow, you got a scholarship. That's of, amazing. Yeah, I mean, I mean you, it takes a lot of work. So, um, but I remember I interned at NASA my junior year. I took off my spring semester instead of going abroad, and I went down to Houston um, and worked at Johnson Space Center. And everybody there was like basketball season in the spring. And everybody there would be like, oh, my God, you went to Duke. Like, do you camp out for all the basketball games? Are you a Cameron crazy? And I'd be like, heck no, like, it's cold. Uh, I'm not camping out. <laughs> <laughs> and I just got so beat down. I was like embarrassed. So when I came back from my senior year at Duke, then I had to be like the most diehard Cameron crazy camping out, like doing all sleeping on a sidewalk to get tickets to the UNC game. Um, it was wild. And, and I have so many good friends that um, I still keep in close contact with that, that were Duke friends. But I think I'm just one of those people that has like a lot of, of loyalty. Like, you know, I love Duke. I love Kellogg. In fact, at my office, our front office manager has a Northwestern degree. Our operations manager has a Duke degree. Um, so I, I like to hire within um, whenever I can and, and build the ranks. And then, you know, we got some people we let in from like Columbia and stuff. But, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but, and you you actually do it well i don't think this is like you're good at leveraging that into um business opportunities or relationships for tot squad and things like that like you've done a great job with with um sofi like sofi does a lot of promotions of tot squad and you because of your relation, like you're just a good, you just connected Duke and Kellogg with SoFi really well. Yeah, so I mean, I'm, I'm a proud, uh, I'm actually one of the first 10 SoFi ambassadors. Um, so for anybody who doesn't know SoFi, it's a social finance and started out as a student loan company. I refinanced my business school loans through them. Paid those off last summer, yeehaw! Congrats, um, and awesome. uh, thank you. And then now have my mortgage through SoFi, and I'm excited to try out their new SoFi Wealth program. But but really great company, and I think 
uh, going through their entrepreneurs program where they kind of let entrepreneurs refinance their student loans with a six month deferral. Um, so you can kind of put the cash back in your pocket. I, I built a great relationship over there and they actually ended up investing in my company, um, which was awesome and opened That's a lot awesome. of doors. But yeah, I, th- I think though the moral is I- I'm good at kind of keeping in touch with my affiliate networks. And so to the extent that I know who manages the social media accounts for the Duke Alumni Association and, and who's doing, you know, the entrepreneur <laughs> posts. You that's know, it's like, that's tip. free PR. Yeah, it's yeah. like even my, my sorority. Like, I, we, we reached out to them. We got, like, a two-page article in the alumni magazine that goes out. So, so if you can kind of, like, stay in touch with those opportunities, it's, it's a, you know, grassroots PR pounding the pavement. I can't afford a real PR company yet. Um, so, so we've just been able to kind of create our own opportunities, but I also think that's just my personality. Like I love to network. I love to meet people. I got a lot of passion and enthusiasm. And I think that that has generated a lot of PR for me because people, you know, they see how excited I am about my business and they want to be excited about it too and help, help spread the word. Yeah, it's totally, it's a hundred percent genuine. That's what I think is so great about it. I think people pick up on that too and they see how genuine you are and it's like, it makes it real and infectious. That's really cool. That's um, my Texan. That's so, my Texan showing. <laughs> so when is this? I don't know. I don't want to break any news here, but when are you coming yeah. to San Francisco? Is it like six months or a year? Or? So no, no. The Walmart deal should be live for Baby Safety Month, which is September, and and Amazon is able to move very quickly. Um, we're just in final negotiations with them, like to get set up right now. But because Amazon's already got all the technology and everything built out. But yeah, it's, it's a little wild because I, I'm basically launching nationwide with these big retailers the same month I'm actually having a baby. Um, wow. So, so yeah, it initially was thinking I was going to try to like take two weeks off. And now I'm like, maybe just the two hours when I'm actively pushing. Um, like, I don't know how Give yourself some time. It's a, it's, a, yeah. it's a big one. I know Vanessa probably, because we had uh, Zara during tax season. So it was a little, it was very disruptive for, for us. And, you know, give yourself some time. That's my best advice. It, yeah, Vanessa exactly. Came back like, too until early. my team is like, Jen, go away. You're like hallucinating from lack of sleep and you're you're actually damaging the company by being here. Go away. Um, <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> we'll see how it goes down. But I'm hoping I have a pretty chill baby. We have we have obviously a baby friendly work environment. Yeah. I grew up. Uh, my parents used to own the Zilker Park train in Austin, which is like a little miniature train ride you could do around the park. And my oh. dad would manage the engineers and my mom ran the souvenir stand and my sister and I would collect tickets. Um, and so I loved kind of being able to like have, have that family friendly work environment. And I think I've set a good precedent here. We had an employee who brought her baby to work from six months old to almost nine months old, um, a couple hours That's a day great. or a couple days a week. And so it doesn't look like I'm going to be giving myself special treatment or preference if I'm bringing the baby to work. So I just got to hope she's pretty chill when she arrives. Yeah. Well, people like holding the baby too. That works pretty well. Exactly. Uh, we Everybody wants a turn. Um, cool. Well, this has been an awesome podcast. Can you tell everyone where they can find Tot Squad and any other background that's helpful for them? Yeah. So uh, we're at totsquad.com on Instagram at totsquad um, and, and all the rest of the social media channels you would expect. And again, you can look for car seat installation services. We call them safety school starting in September, uh, should be available nationwide and makes a great baby shower gift, even if you're not expecting um, to make sure your friends can get their car seat checked by a professional. So yeah, so thank you so much for having me on, Scott. It's been so fun to, oh, to yeah. connect with another Kellogg guy. I would like I would like one of these as a birthday present if anyone's listening. I, it doesn't <laughs> have to. We already have the baby, but a birthday present from you would be great. You, so, you just want the cleaning. Uh, <laughs> yeah, poopy diapers, 
you know, this, this is all <laughs> stuff I can relate to. So, all right, Jen, congrats on building an awesome company. And I'm very excited about your national, like national rollout with like three or four of the biggest tech companies in the world. And, uh, holy smokes, you've accomplished a ton. Awesome. Thanks Scott. Cool. All right. Take care.